this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Take a minute before this podcast to let you know a couple of things. Uh, the first thing is that this book is a brand new release. On the day that this episode airs, I think the book will have only been out for a day or two. So if you don't want any spoilers before you read the book, please don't listen to this episode yet because it will be full of spoilers. Also, I do need to give a trigger. This book deals with a lot of heavy topics, including child abuse and domestic violence. So if you have had experience with those and you're still kind of close to the situation and and hearing about it is going to cause problems for you, we ask that you hold off on listening to this episode. Um, you can go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. We have several that are really good. And then you can come back and join us next time. Hope you all enjoy this one. For those of you who do listen, uh, happy reading. Hey, Holly. Hey, Paige. And hi, guys. Welcome back to Booklet Podcast. Today we're reading Sparrow by... Mary Cecilia Jackson. And I kind of did a little bit of a theme drink tonight. Um, I found a sangria that is a black swan sangria. And you'll see in a little while why that's significant. But then I put my own kind of twist on it and made it a little darker and uh, a little more mysterious. So it's very good. We will post a recipe down in the show notes so that you can drink along with us. But I have dubbed this sangria the sparrow. So I will do a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, This book is a little dark. It's got a very heavy subject. Um, So we might not be quite as giggly and and humorous as normal. And I did want to say if we are giggly and laughing, it's not because we're making fun of what this book is about. We're making light of the situation. It's just that that's how we deal with the heaviness of it. Um, You all probably don't want to listen to us get all sad and depressed because of this book. Plus Um, we're drunk. That too. So. That helps. Um, So yeah, let's jump in. And we're going to do something a little bit different too. We're going to introduce the characters ahead of time because the pace of this book is very quick. And I don't want to forget to explain who somebody is. So we're going to introduce our cast of characters. First, we have Sparrow. Um, That is her nickname, obviously, not her real name. But that's pretty much how she's referred to in the book throughout. She is a young teenage girl who is a ballerina, a very good ballerina. Our next character is Tristan. He is this um, very popular... um, football player at the high school um, that ends up dating Sparrow. Yeah, Sparrow's boyfriend. elaborate? (laughs) No, we'll get into that as we talk about the book. Um, The next person that we're going to talk about is Lucas. He is Sparrow's partner in the ballet. He is her pas de dos, I think is how you say it, partner? 
Um, for those of you who don't know, that stands for two or dance of two. And he's also very good at what he does. Then we have Delaney. Delaney is um, another good friend of Sparrow and Lucas. She's in the same circle. Um, she's in a dance group as well. And she's just kind of their um, third best friend in their little trio. So those are the main people in the book. Then we have Sparrow's father and her aunt Sophie. And then the dance teacher, Madam. I don't even know how to say it. Oh, here. Hold, hold my drink. Hold my drink. Hold my beer. Let me try and pronounce this. Casarova? Wait, no, that's the teacher. Hang on. That's the... Ivanka. Something weird. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Levkova? Levkova? Levkova. Madame Levkova? Levkova? Levkova. Levkova? Levkova. Does that sound right? We're going to call her Madame Levkova because that's how I feel like it's pronounced. Yeah. She is... Very strict, like you would expect a ballet teacher to be. Mm-hmm. Um, a very you, serious ballet teacher. Yes. She is training her students to be the best. Mm-hmm. Very strict. You do not disobey her rules. But she also obviously very much loves and cares about her students. Oh, yeah. She's not mean. She's just pushing them to be their absolute best. Yes. So those are the main people that we'll be talking about, um, and let's dive in. All right. So the story happens over the course of a year. Is it a little longer than a year? I think it's a, it's about a year. Yeah. So the story is laid out in terms of each month and the events starting in March. And we start with Sparrow is leaving school. She's on the phone with Delaney. She's running late. Um, Miss. Levkova, Madame Les- Levkova, um, is very strict on when you get to ballet. Like, you are there on time or you might as well not come. And if you don't come, then you're not going to practice. Then you're not going to get the, the part that you want in the big production. So mm-hmm. she's. it's very important that you're on time. So Sparrow realizes how important it is that she needs to be to class on, on time. But she is very, very late. She's just leaving school. Everyone else is already at practice. And she's on her phone talking to her friend saying, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. Not really paying attention to her surroundings. And she runs outside and she's heading to her car. And all of a sudden, a car almost runs over her. I mean, it basically bumps her and she yeah, falls. Yeah, it has to like screech to a stop right in front of her. And she falls and she drops her stuff everywhere. And out of the car comes uh, Tristan King. Who is, like, the golden boy of the school. He's, like, everybody's heartthrob. All of the guys want to be him. All of the girls want to date him. Granted, that's not exactly how it is, but that's how most people see him. Right. And he swoops in, and he's all upset. And he's, like, profusely apologizing, and... um, And she's, like, so flustered, because, one, she almost got run over, and, two... It's Tristan King. And three, uh, she dropped her bag that spilled everywhere, and all of her personal items are out there for her him to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she's royally embarrassed. Literally, high school girl's worst nightmare. Right. <laughs> but, um, so he's really nice about it, and he helps her collect her things, and then he starts to flirt with her, and it gets to the point up to where he asks her out on a date. And so, of course, she says yes. Yeah, well, because she's basically been in love with him since middle school. And I just remembered something. 
You introduced him as a football player. Isn't he? I'm pretty sure he's a track and field star. Is he? Because he, she asked him how he has the band-aids and stuff in his car, and he says he uses them when he hits the hurdles. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. I'm pretty sure. So he's an athlete. <laughs> yeah. He's an athlete. He's, he's a good one. Yeah, that's the Obviously, point. we're not athletic girls. That's why we read. Um, so... I mean, I kind of know the difference between track and field and football. <laughs> There's running in both. <laughs> They're all athletes. That's, that's just the broad. Yeah. Whatever. But he, he's an athletic golden boy. Um, so, yeah, she agrees to go on this date as long as her dad and Aunt Sophie say it's okay. Mm-hmm. And she's going to, like, get her Aunt Sophie to butter up her dad. Because we find very early on in the book that Sparrow's mom passed away when she was little. Yes. And so and Aunt Sophie lives with her as kind of that mother figure because her dad's a lawyer and he works constantly, like all the time. But her dad is also like really cool. She talks about how he, like when he gets home from work, he takes his shoes off and he just has to be like barefoot in the grass for a little while, no matter what time of year it is. Yeah. Which I thought was so awesome because it shows that he's, not like a snooty lawyer. He's no, just he's a busy man. he's not stuck up or anything. He's like a genuine, you know, normal guy. And he loves his daughter and his sister. And Very much so. But he also loves his job and he just is very busy. Right. So next scene we see is them going on the date. You want to tell us about that date, Holly? Oh, yeah. So he, he shows up at the house, um, you know, about as charming as ever. You know, being super polite to the dad. And the dad, of course, is doing the whole dad thing, like grilling him on, okay, where are y'all going? No drinking. I throw back home by, what, nine? And she's like, dad, oh, my God, you're embarrassing me. You know, the whole, you know, stereotypical first date teenager scene there. Right. right? So and he's, um, you know, meeting the ex- expectations of her father being this perfect little, little guy. Mm-hmm. And they go on the date. And they go and they eat somewhere, and then after they eat, they still have plenty of time. So she's like, why don't I take you um, out to Aubrey's Cove? And so he's like, oh, I've never been, so let's go. And so they go to this place, and it's nicknamed Aubrey's Cove, but it's this lake. And um, it's a real beautiful, um, scenic place that um, I imagine is where a lot of the kids go and hang out because it's a cool little hangout area. Oh, see, I didn't see, like, a lot of people. I kind of saw it as, like, a not necessarily secluded place, but, uh-huh. like, her special place that her mom used to take her that was kind of quiet because he'd never uh-huh. heard of it. That's true. That's true. And as as one of the popular guys, he would have been at the main hangout place. That's true. I guess I kind of saw it as that because her friends are there later. Yeah. So I didn't, but that makes more sense that it's just, oh, they go there because that's where she hangs out kind yeah. of thing. Like, that's her special place. And she's like, I want to introduce you to this place that's so special to me. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. And it's so special to her because her mom would take her out there. Her mom would tell her the story of Aubrey, who was a a young woman. Um, So the story goes that um, Aubrey was a young woman who was in love with this man. And something happens to where, like, the man marries... No, like... Well, he was married. Okay, so he was married and... She ends up getting pregnant with a guy, and he just laughs on her face and is like, well, you're on your own. <laughs> I was never going to leave my wife anyway. Right. So then she's, of course, you know, 
devastated, doesn't know what to do. So she goes to this lake and she drowns herself. And that's the sad story of Aubrey's Cove. And her mother is just fascinated by this this dark, twisted tale and like is constantly telling Sparrow this story over and over again as she's growing up. And um, But what Sparrow doesn't disclose to Tristan is that her mother would also paint these images over and over and over, mm-hmm. and they weren't beautiful, you know, lighthearted images. They were all pictures of Aubrey drowning, Aubrey crying. It was all very, very haunting and disturbing images right. that she would paint. Right. And then um, this kind of leads into the fact that her mother is actually a little bit mentally ill, mm-hmm. and she has, I don't know if they blatantly tell exactly what her mental illnesses are. I don't think they do. They just talk about how she doesn't take her pills like she's supposed to, and it gets worse when she does it. Right. And she drinks. Which Which doesn't help. It doesn't help. And despite the fact that we drink with you all a bit, um, we do it in a fun, lighthearted way, and we know when to stop. Right. From the way the book tells it, Sparrow's mom didn't know how to stop. Right. She She kind of... She was... More, she's an alcoholic, right? And she didn't didn't take to it well. Like when she was drunk, she would be abusive. She would violent, right? And part of that could be because of the mental illness, right? Um, and her not taking the pills. So that's kind of a secret that Sparrow has, is, and it's even kind of hidden from her own father because her dad would be away at work a lot of the time, and then so Sparrow would be home alone with her mom. Oh, it was very much hidden because she says, I'm not a girl that tells. Yes. Like, yes. I am a girl that keeps this secret. Her mom would say, and always remember, Sparrow, don't tell anyone, especially your father. Right. So poor, tiny little Sparrow is has this dark, tragic secret that she can't tell anybody because she desperately wants to make her mom happy. Mm-hmm. And she just has to live with it along with this story that gets told to her over and over and over again about sorrow and anguish and death and and despair. Just a lot of darkness surrounding the upbringing of Sparrow. A tiny child. Yeah, and it's horrible and obviously has its repercussions later in her life. Right. Um, So at this point, you know, her mother is long dead. She was and got hit by a car, apparently. Mm -hmm. And, um... But she, her, her, so her mom's been dead for a while, and she thinks that she's doing pretty well. Right. But she still hasn't really opened up to anyone about this at oh, all. Oh, nobody. Like, so nobody knows Even though still. her mom is long gone, she's still harboring all this darkness of her past. Right. So, after the date, it's the next day at school, and Sparrow is talking with Lucas and Delaney and their group of friends about the fact that she went on this date with Tristan. And Delaney is, of course, fangirling all over the place. And she's like, oh, my goodness, we both wanted to date him for so long. And I'm so glad you get to. And this is amazing. And it's a dream come true. And Lucas is like, WTF? He's a freaking bully. He has always been a bully. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you with him? Mm -hmm. And Delaney's like, bro, shut up. Let her be happy. Let her date the cool kid. Sparrow deserves this. And Lucas is just freaking out and dead set against the fact that Tristan is a bad guy. 
Yeah, Lucas is really not having this. He's like, like there. He's a bully. He always has been. You should not be with him. He's a terrible, terrible guy. And you know, of course, she tries to justify it as like, oh, you know, growing up, all you guys were jerks. You know, and, right? All and, guys are. But Lucas is like, no, he's different. He's actually cruel, and he's he's not just you know a stupid guy. He's actually likes to hurt people. And he, Lucas, has not a a special relationship, but Lucas was bullied especially hard by Tristan because Lucas is a dancer and he's not a bro. What is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Because I don't just... want to say he's not athletic because in order to be a dancer, you have to be athletic. Right, but... But he's not like... He's just the kind of guy that that macho jock kind of guy would pick on. Jock! Jock is the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not a jock. He's not a bro. He's not a bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's not a jock. He's and it's not that he's effeminate. He's just no. He's just he's a dancer. He's a dancer, and um, so Lucas has a reason to be so against Tristan. He has firsthand knowledge of how awful Tristan is. Yes, but so Sparrow gets mad at this whole thing, and she leaves. And the rest of Lucas's friends realize. That Lucas has a little crush on Sparrow. Yeah, they're like trying to figure out, okay, there's something more to this. It's not just because he's a bully. Why are you so against this? And they finally come to the realization, oh my God, Lucas, you like Sparrow, don't you? You like her. You want you to like kiss her. her. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, of course he tries to deny it at first, but it's, Fairly he eventually is just like, yeah, okay, yes, okay, shut up. <laughs> you know? Um... So that moves us on to May, where, and we see Sparrow and Lucas at dance class, and they are trying to dance the piece, they're a, a piece that they have for the recital. Swan Lake. Yes, they're doing Swan Lake, and Lucas and Sparrow have major roles. Lucas is Siegfried, and Sparrow is Odette, mm-hmm. which I find it really funny. This is the second book that we've done with an Odette in it. Yeah, yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're trying to get it down right, and Madame Levkova is like, your your steps are right, you're doing it right, but I'm not feeling it. I need you to feel it. I need you to, to dance with the love and the sorrow, and I need you to show all of that in your dance. And so they're like, okay, we can do this one more time. And it clicks. It's perfect. Like... You can you can see it when they dance. You can see Lucas's love for Sparrow and how Sparrow has all of these feelings and, and turmoil inside of her. And it's perfect. And it's beautiful. And everybody is in awe. And Madame Lefkova is like, that is it. I have never seen it so perfect. And it's wonderful. And they're so proud and they're so excited that they finally clicked. Same time that she sees Tristan, um, you know, she's hugging Lucas, and Lucas whispers to her, I wasn't faking it. That's right, he does. So he basically just confesses to her that he has feelings for her. And she doesn't know what to say. And at the same time, she sees Tristan watching and panics and is just like, okay, I have to go now. And she just bolts out of there, which is highly unusual to just bolt out of class like that. Oh, yeah, class wasn't over. She... Basically disrespected Madame Lock, Lepkova, which you never do. No. She 
didn't do the stretches and things that she has to for her muscles to work. Like, she just freaked out and left. Yeah, so she's um, runs to the changing room to go get her stuff and everything, and um, Delaney follows her and is like, whoa, what are you doing? What's going on? And she's just like, oh, it's just, you know, um, Tristan's out there. He's waiting for me, and I'm just trying to hurry so he doesn't have to wait on me. And Delaney's like, um, he can wait. Like, and why is he picking you up every single day from dance class anyway? Isn't that a bit much? Sparrow's just like, oh, no, it's not. We just, we're just really in love. And yeah. we just want to spend all the time we have together that we can. And Delaney's like, oh, I guess... So what did you think about the way that she left the dance class? Like, well, obviously there's some red flags immediately. So you immediately saw red flags or did you immediately see her not comfortable with what Lucas said and running from that? Well, both. Because first of all, she didn't want to respond to Lucas at all. Didn't even acknowledge what he said. Second, the second she sees her, her dude... And her first initial reaction is to panic, even though she literally just accomplished something that she's been trying to accomplish for a long, long time. She got the um, appreciation of her dance teacher that she idolizes. And instead of sitting there and relishing this, she immediately bolts and panics at the sight of her of her boyfriend. See? That is a red flag. I, I, I kind of saw... Again, so we have our own differing opinions because of our own past pasts mm-hmm. and our own experiences. So I saw that as, like, I, ha- I have two viewpoints. Yes, Tristan needs to realize that that is her dance partner and that you have to be able to do things. Like, there is a relationship in it, a, a bond there that you can't explain. There's a closeness. But I also saw it as, I just did this thing that's extremely emotional and extremely vulnerable and I don't know how I feel. And then my first love sees me doing something that looks like I'm in love with somebody else. Yeah. So you kind of see that as a no wonder she freaked out. So I didn't, I personally didn't see red flags. <laughs> Could explain a whole lot in my life. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a valid interpretation. I, I can see that too. Like she doesn't want to lose Tristan's love. and Right, but it's the fact that she's, this is her dream, you know, this is her passion. And the fact that Tristan's approval is more important to her than her own passion, to me, that's a red flag. I mean, you're closer to it than I am. Maybe I just didn't have any passions when I was young. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have been there, and no, it did not work out good for me in the end. Let's just leave it at that. It usually doesn't. So I'm not trying to defend anything I'm just that was my viewpoint right right I didn't immediately but I can totally see how you could see it interpret it that way too yeah that is a valid interpretation I I could totally see that and I personally believe that my first love's yeah it's not surprising (laughs) (laughs) especially that young spoiler alert doesn't work out usually no oh no I was talking about in the book oh no (laughs) it did spoiler alert doesn't work out (laughs) so Lucas uh we have Sparrow Running out of the room, running out of the building, running to Tristan. Lucas follows because not only is he like, what the fuck is going on? But he's also really hurt because they just did this amazing thing. And she's like, and he just spilled his guts about how he basically loves her. Yeah. And she's like, okay, bye. (laughs) So he wants to know what's going on. What the big deal is. So he follows uh, Sparrow out to... If she follows, 
he follows her out to Tristan's truck. And he sees Tristan yelling at Sparrow and basically saying horrible things to her, calling her a slut and saying, oh, I saw how you were all over him. And she's just like, he's just my dance partner. Like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And he's like, you know, but he's like blowing up on her and just being super mean about it. And she's just trying to be like, no, I love you. It's okay. It's okay. Calm down. It's okay. And, you know, Lucas is not, he's like, what the fuck? So he jumps in and he's like, hey, man, back off. Right. Which doesn't help anything because he's the one they're fighting about. So, um, but, so they kind of like go back and forth a little bit. And in the end, um, Pharaoh ends up riding back home with Lucas instead of Tristan. Yeah. Tristan basically gets mad. Says, if you want to be with him, you can ride home with him. No. No, no, no. Lucas says, you're not getting in that car with him. Yeah, that's I'm right. taking you home. That's right. And Tristan, like, peels out and is like, whatever. Yeah. And so he leaves. So Tristan is all upset. No. Scratch that. Lucas is all upset about what he just saw Tristan do to Sparrow. Oh, yeah. And Sparrow is like, no, 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 that's, it's fine, it's not a big deal, he's just, he gets angry sometimes, but it's fine, like, we're fine, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And Lucas is like, what the fuck, no, you're not, like, this isn't right. But Sparrow won't admit anything is going on, so Lucas has no choice but to drop it. Right. And then Lucas is like, well, I have something I need to tell you. My dad has cancer, and he doesn't have long left to live. And so Sparrow is just like... Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do? Let me know. And Lucas is like, Lucas basically just wants his friend. Oh yeah. He wants Sparrow to be there, and because of Tristan, she can't. Right. Or she won't. Right. A little of both. A little of both. But she tries to be there for him. She does. She's like, if there's anything you need, you know, you can come talk to me. You know, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, you can always come over. You can always call me, no matter the hour. Right. And... Aunt Sophie loves you. My dad loves you. We are all there for you. Yeah, exactly. So skip forward to June, and Lucas's father has passed. Um, everyone is there for the funeral, and Lucas is taking it really hard. Because, I mean, not only has his dad just died, but he was told he would have a couple of months, and it was weeks. Yeah, it happened so quickly. They went from no idea that dad is sick because he's a, I think he was a truck driver. He was he was gone a lot. Yeah. And he came home, and he wasn't feeling well, and he'd been sick and he couldn't shake it and he went to the doctor and he has cancer but he's gonna live if you know he has a few more months we're gonna try this treatment and then gone he's gone just like that and 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 so poor lucas's whole world has been just torn apart everybody is there at the funeral he's trying to lean on his friends and they have lucas doesn't want to just i mean obviously he's gonna be sad but everybody inside is just consoling and not really helping right Right, because they don't really know him, you know. They're not close enough to him to be able to console him in the way he needed. Right. So he and his friends go outside, and they, they get away, and they have a drink for his dad. Mm-hmm. And then Lucas's grandma comes out. I love Lucas's grandma. Me so too. Sweet. Oh, I love her. Um, But they, they, they do like kids do, and they respond to the situation in the way that kids do. And somebody makes a stupid joke, and they all get to laughing. And then it's kind of a, it broke the spell. Like, yes everybody's still sad and heartbroken but they're there and they're together and they can get through this together exactly exactly there's that moment of you know you know of course things are terrible but we have each other you know we're gonna support each other and that's like you're not alone kind of thing and that's what lucas wants 
especially with Sparrow. And it is important to note that Tristan didn't go. And his excuse was, oh, I don't I don't like funerals because they're depressing. And it was like, well, I mean. It's not a comedy show. Right. What do you, <laughs> funeral? Kind of what it's what supposed to be. What do you expect? <laughs> Nobody enjoy, well, okay. Very few people actually enjoy funerals. Right. You go because you care about the person who is grieving. Exactly. You don't want to go, but you still go. But that shows how, um, how selfish he is. Right. So then, uh, then fast forwards to the next month. It's 4th of July and Delaney is throwing this big 4th of July party that she does every year. Mm-hmm. So Tristan and Sparrow are on their way to the party and Tristan is driving and has clearly been drinking while he's driving and even tells Sparrow uh, to grab him more beer from the back seat. And and she's like, I have these little short dancer arms, like I can't reach. And he's like, uh, take off your seatbelt and turn around. And she's freaking out because he's driving erratically, he's drunk, and he wants her to take off her seatbelt. Yeah. But I, like, I kind of get it. Like, this is kind of revealing a lot about myself. But I'm not sure I would be able to be like, no. well, now I guess I would. But as a teenager, I wouldn't have been able to be like, no. No, you're not gonna I'm not gonna get you another beer while you're driving like yeah. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to do that mm-hmm. that's just another obvious red flag you know he has little disregard for her safety obviously because yeah. he literally tells her oh take off your seatbelt and go get it he has and no regard that, that was a double he has little disregard little regard <laughs> <laughs> he has all of the disregard <laughs> very little of the regard right? <laughs> uh, no regard <laughs> For her safety. <laughs> and uh, and he even makes a comment like, she was like, um, he's like, well, what would have happened if I would have just like slammed on the brakes and you would have just flown through the windshield or something? Yeah. And, and then she's like, no, you wouldn't have done that or something. And he just like doesn't deny that he wouldn't have done that. Like, right. what the fuck? Like, how twisted is that? It's pretty Like, twisted. he actually jokes about like. About the fact that he could very easily kill. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> That's sick. But anyway, so then they, they get to the party and um, Tristan notices that Pharaoh's not wearing the necklace that he got her. Um, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. I must have taken it off, you know, when I was dancing and I just forgot to put it back on. And he flips out. He's like, you're supposed to always wear it. You never take off that necklace. I gave you that. Do you not care? And she's like, no, it's not that. I just forgot. I'm sorry. I love you. And and he puts his hand on her throat. Yeah. And like, you know, he doesn't actually do anything there, but he puts his hand on her throat. Like he's going well, to choke her. Hard enough that it, I don't think it left a mark, but like hard enough that she was worried about it. Yeah. And, you know, they're at the party and, you know, there's people around. And so he suddenly lets go and they get out and he goes, runs off with his friends and she goes to tell Delaney hi. And Delaney says, um, what the fuck was that? I just saw that. And she's like, oh, it was nothing. He was just mad. I'm not wearing my necklace, but it's okay. And Delaney's like, "Mm, no, that's not okay. That he shouldn't get that angry over something like that. Over a necklace. Yeah. And so she presses Sparrow a little bit about how that's not okay and you know if he's being a jerk you should tell me and Sparrow gets defensive and he's like Delaney fine right I'm, I, I can handle it it's fine if there was a problem I would let you know exactly which me being older and wiser like I am now that's a big red flag like if they're Obviously. not willing to oh because she's not letting well of course the hand on the throat is yeah it's like, like um hello <laughs> no <laughs> I meant the fact that she's not even willing to talk about it. Right, right. She's it's a big it. red. Um, and it's not that it's abnormal. Like that's right. very common in domestic abuse situations. Yeah. Um, 
which makes the situations why it's so common, why it's so difficult, because it's hard to speak out in that situation. Right. You know? Well, not only are you terrified, but you 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 don't want people to see them as the bad guy. Right. You care. You do love them, or you think you love them. Usually, you do love them. Um, it's just it's very complicated and it's very common. It's yeah. Just sad. It's it's just, yeah. Exactly. But moving on. So they they are at this party and oh, and Lucas shows up. You know, um, they hadn't seen him in a while because you know he's been mourning, and he shows up and um, he's alone in the kitchen for a moment with Sparrow and she's comforting him and um you know, she gives him a hug and, you know, tells him she's there for him and everything. You know, they have their moment and then all the other friends come in and are like, all right, let's party. Right. And then so... Um, <laughs> but being lovey-dovey, it's time to get right. this You had started. your moment. Let's go. <laughs> and so they all kind of leave the, you know, they all kind of do their little thing a little bit. And then Sparrow comes back into the kitchen for a moment and she sees this bowl of lemons on the counter and she... She freaks out. She freaks out and throws them away immediately. Like the bowl and everything. Yeah, everything. Just dumps them in the trash. And while she's dumping them in the trash, Tristan comes in and, like, pushes her immediately. And he's like, what was that with you and Lucas? Like, I saw that. What were you all doing? And she was like, nothing. I was just comforting him because, you know, he's still sad over his dad. And Tristan, like, loses his shit again. And he's like, I don't want you talking to him. And he he pushes her hard, and she hits her hip on the counter, I think it is. Yeah. And she cries out, which is a, a big deal, because, yeah, it's going to hurt if you hit your hip on the counter. Like, that's going to hurt. Yeah. But she cries out more than she should have for just that. More out of fear, I think. No. Didn't she have a huge bruise on her hip already? Oh, did she? I'm pretty sure she did. Here, take the notes. I don't remember. Right. I can't do that. Uh, okay, so Lucas pushes her. Um, no, 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 Tristan. So the book, okay, so the book goes back and forth between Lucas's point of view and Sparrow's point of view, which I kind of enjoy, but it also makes it very difficult when you're going <laughs> to try to find the specific thing. Um, but this part is said from Lucas's point of view, and he's watching Sparrow and Tristan together, and he sees Sparrow on the floor sobbing, and he sees Tristan completely hammered, slurring his words, um, and being, like, really threatening to Sparrow. So he slams open the door, and he says, I'll never get this picture out of my head. Sparrow on the floor, crying, pressed into a corner, trying to make herself invisible. Tristan standing over her with his fists clenched. And then Tristan says... You should have told me he'd be here. First the necklace, then all that crap I saw in the studio, and now this. Acting like a slut as soon as my back is turned, you were all over him. You let him put his hands on you. Are you trying to piss me off? What do I have to do to get you to take me serious? And immediately, Lucas gets pissed. Because all Sparrow did was give him a hug and tell him that it was going to be okay. And Tristan is not only threatening and, like, scaring the crap out of Sparrow, but he's turning it around on Sparrow, making it Sparrow's fault. Yeah. Like, classic. Oh, yeah. Classic move right there. So Lucas comes up and he, like, rips Tristan away from her. And um, Tristan is like, turn yourself around right now and get the hell out of here. And, you know, they go back and forth. Um, Then Sparrow tries to get up. And it says she holds out her hand like she's trying to ward me off. I slipped, Lucas. That's all. Somebody spilled a beer and I hit the stove. I'm okay. Please go back to the party, please. Then Tristan grins. She's right. For a ballerina, this is one dump, one clumsy chick. Uh, must have hurt like hell, but she's okay now. Right, honey? Right, baby? 
Um, Sparrow doesn't look up. Uh, then Lucas says, that's crap, and you know it. And I'm getting close to there, like, I promise I'm getting to where I was. Oh, well, maybe there wasn't. I guess maybe this isn't where she has. But it, at, at, the whole, at the end of the whole thing, it says, um, Sparrow ducks between us, arms outstretched, pulled up, trying to make herself look tall. Lucas, walk away. Tristan, baby, come on, let's go. Tristan smiles at her, a real smile. Like whatever nasty wind just blew through here is gone now, and everything is all kittens and unicorns again. He wraps his arm around her, kisses her on the cheek, and runs his fingers through her curls. Uh, I'm sorry I yelled just now. Your dancer friend just pissed me off. Um, then he kisses her on the mouth. And it's so... <sighs> the gaslighting. Oh, oh yes. I hate it. Major gaslighting. Tristan is clearly blowing things out of proportion. Which, not unusual. He's physically violent towards her. He's emotionally abusive towards her, making, calling her a slut for giving her friend a hug. Making her think that it's her fault, like she deserves this. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Oh, extremely. So yeah, that's just a little peek into the depth of what's going on between Tristan and Sparrow. Just how bad things have gotten. Yeah. So then it cuts to um, later, and um, Lucas and Sparrow are practicing their dance early in the morning um and um lucas keeps pressing sparrow about tristan and basically trying to get her to tell him what's really going on because he just does not buy anything that she's telling him and she's getting more and more annoyed as the practice is going on and so he'll like he'll press her and then drop it and then later on he'll press her again about it and she'll be like stop and he'll drop it and then um he even notices a that she's wearing a new bracelet and he's like, oh, my God, did he give, did Tristan just give you a bracelet? Like, like what? You know? I used you as a punching bag, and now, and now here's a shiny present to uh-huh. say. So this, this is where the bruise comes in, and I completely fucked that up. Mm-hmm. This is where the bruise comes in, because in one of the lifts, Lucas has to hold her hip, and she cries out. Yeah. Because of the bruise from being shoved into the stove. Right. That's what it was. But can I just say that she hides the bracelet real quick from Oh yeah. Lucas because engraved on the inside of the bracelet actually says forgive me. Disgusting. Yeah, extremely disgusting. So but yeah, back to what you're saying. Like they go to do um it's like the end of the practice and they go to do a fish dive. And it's basically this thing where We've all seen it, like in the ballet movies and if you watch ballet, you've seen it. It's where the guy is holding the girl, and I can't really describe how the whole thing starts. But it ends up with, like, him holding her hips and, I think, her side. And her face is, like, millimeters from the ground. Mm -hmm. It's exciting and terrifying. And one slip and you're, like, you know that's just going to be massive rug burn on the face. Oh, yeah. Or hardwood floor burn. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, but but road rash to the face. Road rash to the face. Ouch. But, um, so that's, like, their signature move, and they love to do that. And so at the end of the practice, they're like, all right, fish dive. Let's just do this. And then they go to do it, and he grabs her hip, and he grabs onto that bruise, and it's so painful that she cries out, and they end up collapsing on the floor. And he's like, oh, my God, what's going on? Why aren't you telling me what's going on? And, um, so then she's like, it's nothing. It's just bruised when I fell. It's nothing. And then it's... It, the fight escalates so much that they actually end up, they stop talking for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like, she leaves practice, and they just, they don't talk for a while. And then it cuts over, cuts to August. And um, 
So it's been it's been since March. Couple it has months been, and they haven't been talking because of the fight. Oh. I was gonna say this is now months of abuse. Oh yeah. Months of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Months of separating her from her friends, uh-huh. alienating her. Uh-huh. And she doesn't see it. I mean, obviously she sees the physical abuse, but she thinks she deserves it in some cases. Yeah. She she doesn't necessarily see that it's a problem. Right. So in this time, in this months of abuse, everybody in her life has kind of confronted her and said, we see what's going on and we see that there's, it's, it's not normal. It's not okay. Her, her aunt Sophie takes her to lunch one day and Tristan doesn't stop texting and calling. Like he's constantly blowing up her phone because she won't answer. And she's getting anxious that she's not answering because she knows he's getting mad. And Sophie's telling her that's not right. There's a point where she's talking to her dad about it. And her dad's like, you know, this is a problem. I'm not liking what I'm seeing. And she kind of blows up at her dad. And she's like, Tristan's dad is super hard on him. And he just needs to let off steam. And, you know, he's having trouble handling his home life. and, Mm -hmm. And it's just, everybody sees it's a problem, but she just won't admit to it. So she's starting to have these dreams of her mother, and they're they're scary dreams. Like, her mom is kind of a cross between her mom and a swan, and she's got these black feathers, and they're, it's, it's scary, and it's kind of oppressive, and she wakes up, and she's freaking out about it. So she's dancing in her room to try to, like, work off some of the anxiety, I guess. Yeah, to try to forget the dream. Right, and it's it doesn't really help. And she finally starts to get to to this place where she's like, well, maybe the stress is too much and we should take a break. Like, maybe I'm ready to take a step back. Maybe this isn't good for me. Right. So she's finally starting to not necessarily get the strength to admit exactly what's going on, but that maybe it's not good for her anymore. Right. So she's in the truck with Tristan. Tristan, Or Tristan's car. He doesn't have a truck. He has a car. Mm Mm-hmm. And she tells him, you know, I really love you, but ballet is very important to me right now, and I'm things aren't working well with Lucas and I because of our fight, and I think maybe we should take a break. And Tristan flips his shit. Like, yeah. he, he starts driving super crazy. Through town. Like, yeah. speeding through small town. Through small town, yeah. Yeah. And um, yelling at her, and he grabs her hair, and he's yanking on her hair while he's driving. Yeah, and just telling her all these things. Like, you think you can leave me? You think you can break up with me? Yeah. So You think you'll find someone better than me? Yeah, and and so he's driving um, out of town, and and he's like, oh, well, if you're not, if I can't have you, I'm going to make sure nobody can. Right, and he takes her up to, what is it, Aubrey's Lake? Aubrey's Cove. Aubrey's Cove, yeah. And he takes her up there, and he... There's no way to sugarcoat this. He beats the crap out of her. Basically leaves her for dead. Yes. But she... That was me. (laughs) I was playing back. I was like, wait. (laughs) That was me. Um, But So he leaves her for dead. But she is found um, by someone. I didn't look right here. But she's found and she's taken to the hospital. And she's like barely alive. She's unconscious. She's fading in and out of consciousness. They've actually... 
they said they lost her a few times yeah, she, and had to revive her a couple times. Yeah. She's beaten almost to beyond recognition. And um, she's got broken bones. Her face is smashed a bit. She's got, I think those, they say something about um, the bones in her leg or her one of her feet is like sticking out of the skin. Yes. Like, bad. Bad. Like, she's she might die. Bad. And uh, so she's like, Fading in and out of consciousness, and she's having this whole um, out of body experience, and um, she sees herself dancing in the center of the lake, and she's the swan, and she um, sees she looks to the to the shore, and she knows something bad happened there, but she doesn't want to think about it. But before she can stop herself from thinking about it, she looks at the shore and she sees the swan version of her mother. And next thing you know, she's standing right next to her. And her mother's telling her things like, come with me, Sparrow. And and she's like, remember what I always told you? and Never to tell. And she's like weeping these black stones. And yeah. Really, really creepy. But and, uh, the imagery of the sorrow and the depression and how it would be so easy to just give up in that situation for for sparrow it would be so easy for sparrow to just let go yeah there is not a part of her body that doesn't hurt now there's so much mental not mental damage as in like brain damage but there's so much like so much hurt and heartache emotionally and mentally that it would be so much easier to just yeah fade out and she does try to slip away yeah she does she doesn't they revive they revive her multiple times and each time she almost forces herself to go back under right like she does not want to be awake she does not want to be here she doesn't want to face what happened she doesn't want to remember she just wants to forget yeah but then she starts to hear the voices that are in the room with her so everybody comes to talk to her to try to pull her out of it and bring her back um Lucas comes for a minute, but he knows that Tristan does it. He has, that Tristan did it. He has no proof. He doesn't think anybody will believe him, but he knows deep down in his soul that Tristan did it. Delaney comes, and she tries to talk to her. Um, Madame Levkova comes and, like, balls and tells Sparrow that she's like a daughter to her, and... She wants her to come back and to dance, and her spot will be there. And Aunt Sophie is the one who finally gets through. Sparrow hears Aunt Sophie's voice, and she starts thinking about all of her loved ones, and she she decides to fight a little bit. She, she decides to fight again, which it's like this little tiny flame of strength that it's hard in a situation like that. Not that I've been in that situation specifically, um, but I can just imagine the strength that it would have to take oh, for to, sure. to come back from that. For sure. Especially knowing or thinking, believing. I, I can't tell anyone who did this. This has to be just another secret that I keep. Mm-hmm. But she does. She comes back, but she doesn't talk. So she's still in the hospital room. The police try to come to talk to her to find out who did it. She won't say anything. Her friends come. She won't talk to them. She won't talk to her dad. She won't talk to Sophie. She just does not speak. Right. She just refuses to. And she reacts terribly anytime anyone tries to touch her or hug her or mm-hmm. anything. She reacts terribly. And not just 
I heard out, please don't touch me, like, violently flinches, like, the mere thought of skin on skin is repulsive and painful, and it's, it's a very real reaction that she's got. Yeah. Again, not surprising, but heartbreaking nonetheless. Horrifying. So this goes on for several months, actually, and in this time when she's healing physically um her friends and her aunt and her dad are trying to get her to heal emotionally mm-hmm. and but she refuses to talk she is still months later refuse well weeks later refusing to talk to the police refusing to admit what happened and as this goes on lucas gets angrier and angrier like he knows what happened he knows who did this but he has no proof so he can't do anything Right. So he's watching Tristan. He goes to school. He has his friends. He's still the star golden boy. And Lucas knows what he did. So this anger is just building up inside of Lucas. And as it's going to do, it explodes. And Lucas ends up punching Tristan. Look. Okay, so something happens before that where he, like, stalks Tristan. Like, they take him to the police station. That's before that? Mm-hmm. I thought it was after. No. Um, because this was before she even wakes up, actually. Oh. And then later. Okay, so. So they're all trying, all her friends are trying to cope in their own way. Um, um, Delaney starts writing poems, and um, Lucas is very angry, but he's. Um, very sadly, he's starting to take it out on his family. Um, he snaps at his mom and his little sister, and he's just not taking it well. And um, so Tristan gets a text from a friend saying, oh, not Tristan. Um, Lucas. Lucas gets a text from a friend saying that, oh, hey, Tristan just got taken to the police station. And Tristan, oh, and Lucas immediately goes to the police station. He's like, I have to see this guy. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going. And he parks um, in the parking lot of the police station. And he actually sees Tristan and his dad leaving the station laughing. Which grates Lucas to no end. Like, like how dare they laugh while Sparrow is clinging on to life? How dare, what could they possibly find funny about this and so this anger in Lucas is stirring more and more and um so he's back at school and he's um not doing too good in class and he's been skipping classes and he's in the hallway and he hears that somebody texts him and says hey um Tristan is back at school he's in the parking lot and Lucas is like I'm going to meet him (laughs) fuck this yeah (laughs) and he just races to the parking lot and runs right up to Tristan and he beats the shit out of him. He does. Like, I know that this is not an appropriate reaction, but in my heart of hearts, I was like, get him, Lucas. Like, right, get him. right. I was like, he you deserved got this it. <laughs> but school being school, there's a zero fight, a zero tolerance for fighting. And Lucas gets suspended. Mm-hmm. So he's sent home and. His mom is like, what the heck? She's dealing with being a single mother and dealing with her grief. 
and she's been depressed since the death of her husband, and she's like, I literally cannot fucking deal with you. <laughs> like, Yeah, she's like, can you get it together? Because right. we've got too much shit happening right now. Right, and Lucas is just so angry, and he's like, but mom, I know what he did, and no one will believe me. Somebody has to make him pay, and she's like, it's not your fucking job. <laughs> right. She's like, that may be true, but fighting him is not going to help. Right. All that's going to do is get you suspended like you are. Mm-hmm. And that's going to cause me more problems like it is. Because now she's having to pay for the medical bills. Right. Because that he caused. Which is not something she can really afford right now. No, it's not. And so it's putting under stress on everybody. And, you know, like Holly said, he's snapping at his sister. And he's punching holes in walls and breaking windows. Like, he, he just... just He's just snapping. He just can't get it together. Just all his anger is just bursting out of him, and it's just affecting everyone around him. And then it gets one step worse. So because he is now kicked out of school, he's suspended, he loses his place at the dance school. Yep. Because you can't be in dance school if your grades are falling or if you're not. You have to be doing well in school to be able to be You have in to be in school. good standing. Good, good, thank you. That's the yeah. words I was looking for. Which, of course, obviously, he now isn't. So right. he can no longer be at the dance school. Right. And Madame Levkova, of course, is heartbroken and distraught. And she tells him also, we will hold your place while you for one year while you get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she doesn't say that exactly. But, like, she wants him to figure everything out. Deal with his emotions and come back. Yeah. But now, he's lost everything. Sparrow won't talk to him. He can't go to school. He can't dance. He doesn't have his dad. His mom's pissed off at him. His sister hates him because he's being a royal jackass. And his mom is like, you know what? You can go live with your grandmother. You can go stay with her for a couple of weeks. While you're not allowed to be in school, we will send you your schoolwork. Yep. So that you will still graduate when you're supposed to. But she says, I can't handle you. Yeah, you need to get out of here and clear your head because you being here is just not helping anything. Right. It's just going to get worse and worse. You need to just get out of here. So he goes and he's mad that Mm -hmm. he then got sent away. And he's still dealing with all of his other emotions. And he's going to his grandmother. And this is the the grandmother whose son just died a couple weeks ago. Well, a couple months ago now. Yeah. Um, so it's a very volatile time for all of them. Right. And meanwhile, while um, Lucas is having his little retreat with his grandmother in the mountains, um, Sparrow is still healing. She has been sent home. And she's still having these terrible nightmares about her mother. And the nightmares and are getting worse. Much worse. And so it gets to the point where she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like, she tries to do what she always does, is dance. So she gets up and she tries to get, get over to the floor to dance. And it's just so much pain that she ends up collapsing. And then she happens to look at herself in the mirror and she sees suddenly that while she used to have this beautiful brown hair, it was all shaved off or, you know, surgeries and stitches and and now it has grown black grown back black with a white streak at the temple just like her mother's hair yeah so now she looks just like her mother which is very symbolic yes and it's just it's huge and it's a big deal and and she's you know obviously got this anger and this hurt inside of her 
So she, she freaks out, you know, and she has this painting above her, her bed. And it's a painting of her as um, the swan in Swan Lake or the Central or whatever. It's Swan Lake. That's her, that is her dream role. Like that is what she has always wanted to do. And she was so close to that. Yeah. And, um, she's looking at it and she starts to hate it. And she's like, that is not me. That never was me. Mm -hmm. I will never be this perfect person, this perfect, you know, ballerina. I am tainted. I'm not a good person. I, Mm -hmm. you know, the misfortune follows me everywhere. So she takes down the painting and she rips it to shreds. Her dad comes in and sees what she's doing and freaks out. And, um, they decide, okay, she needs to see a shrink. Yeah, it's enough is enough. What we're doing obviously isn't helping, and she needs help that we can't give her. So we're going to find it for her. So they take her to a therapist or a counselor? A shrink is what they, they say. Okay. I'm not sure exactly what the difference is. Are, I don't either. But... I don't know what the <laughs> correct term is. But they take her, and her first session, she just sits there. Mm-hmm. She doesn't talk. She doesn't respond. Um, we I forgot we forgot to mention there have been a couple of times when she has talked, but it's mostly to yell and scream at people. Like before Lucas left to go see his to stay with his grandmother, um, Lucas and Delaney came, and they were trying to talk to her to get her out of her shell, and she screams at them to leave her alone and to. To just go away that she doesn't want to see them. Yeah. Her voice, because she hasn't used it in so long, is it's raw and it's guttural and it's just, it's so angry. Mm-hmm. And, so not, not her. Right. And that's the only thing, like, that's the only way that she'll talk now is if she's screaming at somebody. So she goes to the, the shrink. She has her first session and she doesn't do anything. She doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. and they... So, at the first couple of sessions, she's not wanting to speak to this shrink. Even at the very first session, her dad and Sophie are there, and they're like, okay, not sure how this is going to go, not sure this is really going to help, but, you know, we're here, we're trying this, because we have, we don't know what else to do. And so, the shrink is like, okay, well, I need to speak to just Sparrow in these sessions for right now. Um, And at first, Sparrow is like, I'm not going to like this woman. No matter what she's going to do, I'm not going to like her, I'm never going to speak to her. But she grows to actually um, like this therapist. And she decides, okay, well, I actually like coming here. I like when she talks to me. And she becomes more and more comfortable with her. And after a couple months, a couple sessions of this, she finally speaks. She tells her, one of the first things she tells her is that, well, she likes the painting. That there's this painting in the office that she always looks at. And the therapist doesn't, like, react. Like, oh, my God, you're talking. She just... Let her speak and just lets it flow naturally. And um, so then Sparrow feels comfortable enough to tell the shrink why she doesn't like anyone touching her because it reminds her of what happened, obviously. And uh, she tells the shrink the story of her last day with her mother. And this part is going to be very hard for us to talk about um, because it explains, you get some details about what happened with her mother. And. I, I don't want to go into a lot of it because it's almost like giving, like almost glorifying the abuse, and and that's not what I want to do. 
at all. Um, but we mentioned how Sparrow threw away an entire bowl of lemons before when she was with Tristan. And that's because her mom would take one of those plastic lemon-shaped bottles of lemon juice and squeeze lemon juice into her eye. That was something her mom did routinely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the last time she saw her, last time she saw her mother, that's what she was doing to her. Right. Um, because her dad walks in and immediately takes her to the hospital. The mother goes out and gets hit by a car. And um, so doc- Dr. Gray is the therapist. Mm-hmm. And she points out, okay, do you see the simi- similarities between, you know, the relationship you had with your mother and with Tristan? That um, And Sparrow's not, you know, she's not blind to this. She's like, yeah, I do see the similarities, you know. But then she kind of justifies it by saying, well, but it's all my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, I am this horrible person, so I deserve um, the way these people treat me. And Dr. Gray's like, no, no, you didn't do anything wrong. And I need you to realize that it's not your fault. And you are a precious person and do not ever, ever deserve to be treated that way. Sparrow starts to kind of see the light in what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Gray's like, okay, well, now it's time to bring in um, the dad and Sophie and coaxes them to talk plainly about the mother for the very first time. And um, they speak of the funeral and how Sparrow remembers how um, how awful it was. And um, that Sparrow has been, even after her mother has passed, she has been afraid of her ever since. That fear has always stayed with her. And that's why she has these nightmares. And it, it this book does an amazing job of explaining the fear. And the it's, it's an... I, I, Uh, When you have gone through something like that, especially as a child, that becomes your identity. The fear is part of your identity. The guilt is part of your identity. The taking responsibility for this thing that's done to you that was not your fault becomes your identity. Then the mother dies and the family never talks about it again, which just keeps that as part of Sparrow's identity. She's never, up until this point, with the therapist, it's like the thing with her mother is just this big, dark secret that nobody talks about, which makes it all the more present in Sparrow's life because that's something that she lives with day in and day out. Yeah. She she never gets a chance to heal from it and move past it. Wow, this has gotten really deep. I know. <laughs> this is really hard, guys. Um, talking about this is... It, it's, it's hard. You don't want to make light of it, um, but there are things that, you know, need to be talked about. So on a little bit of a side note, if you are relating any at all to any of this book, um, I would strongly recommend talking to a therapist or a counselor. So the therapy is helping, and uh, and of course it is a long, long process. Obviously these things don't heal overnight, but the book basically shows the beginning of a healing process that's finally it's a happening for her. Yeah, it's, right. it's a major breakthrough for her. The father is able to apologize for basically letting the abuse happen, for being gone all the time and not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And she's able to realize and admit to herself that it wasn't her fault. That and she was, finally has some hope that she hasn't had right. in a very, very long time. And that's a major deal. And now that it's out in the open, she's able to bond that much more with her, her father mm-hmm. and even her aunt. And, mm-hmm. um, and so she's starting to feel better. She's starting to see some hope. Well, I think 
a big part of it that they don't necessarily come right out and say. But she, in the beginning of the book, describes herself as the girl who never tells. Yeah. And she's finally able to take that step away from that fear of her mother and tell. She's able to talk about it, which breaks that hold that her her mother's memory has. Yeah. Which gives her the strength to then tell about Tristan. Yes. Okay, but I mean, so while Sparrow has been on this journey of of healing and finding herself and finding her inner strength, Lucas has also been on a journey up mm. in the mountains with his grandmother, and he's still not heard a single word from Sparrow. But he goes through a series of lessons mm-hmm. with his grandmother, and um, one moment in particular where he has a sort of a breakthrough is when he takes his grandmother's dog out for a walk and they happen to find this bird that is injured severely and um so he cradles it and he's like oh it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay well the bird ends up dying in his hands and he breaks down because of the symbolism of all that right well i think it's important to note because we really didn't discuss this much i don't think we mentioned it at all actually lucas feels a tremendous amount of guilt Oh, yeah. Because he knew what Tristan was capable of. And he knew that something bad was going to happen. And he feels like he should have done more to stop it. He he feels like if he had just told the right person, Pharaoh could have gotten away and and been fine. Or if he, he... He feels like he is the reason that she's hurt because he didn't do enough to stop everything. Right, right. So then he sees this bird and that this helpless little bird that reminds him of his sparrow and it's hurt and he sees that it's hurt and he wants to fix it and make it better, but he can't and the bird still dies. He just breaks down there in the snow like he is sobbing Mm -hmm. and his grandmother comes up on him and she's, she sees him and she sees this bird and she being the wise grandmother that she is puts two and two and four together and comes up with <laughs> with everything. And, and she points out that it was too late by the time he saw it. Yeah. What was going to happen was going to happen. What was going to happen to Sparrow was going to happen. Yeah. That he couldn't have done anything to make it stop and that it wasn't his fault. And the best thing, and he did do the best thing, was that to be a friend, to be there to support her. Not necessarily to fix the problem, because that's... He can't fix the problem. No, you can't fix somebody else's problem. But as her friend, he just needs to be there to support her and give her space when she needs space. Be there to to talk when she needs to talk. You Mm -hmm. know? Be the friend that she needs him to be. And um, so then he kind of has this... That's kind of hits home for him. And he realizes, you know... Because it was hitting him really, really hard that Sparrow wasn't talking to him. But now he's like realizing that she just needs her space and she knows he's there for her mm-hmm. but and that's that's what matters but there's nothing more he can do until she's ready to talk mm-hmm. or to open up and to let him right in. right so that gives him a chance to heal a little bit as well right so he comes back into town um home from his grandmother back so to he, almost the lucas he was before right he's not a ginormous asshat to his sister Yes. He is respectful again, and he is extremely apologetic for the way that he was towards his mother. Like, he's admitting, yes, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Like, total 180. Yes. So by the time February comes around, um, Lucas and Sparrow are both 
back into dancing. Um, but of course, neither one of them are able to dance the roles that they were supposed to play in Swan Lake. Right, because too much time has passed. Sparrow is still too weak to be up to that part. And so Delaney and another boy are trying, and they just, they, they don't got it. <laughs> they're trying, but they're like, we'll never be as good as y'all were. Right. Um, but, um, and Sparrow is talking to her friends again. These yes. are on the path of becoming um, a sense of normalcy. Of course, things won't ever be exactly how they used to be. Well, no. But. Because none of them are who they were. No. But they're a year all ago. coming back together and reestablishing their friendship and getting back into the groove of life again. Right. So Pharaoh got, even got accepted into um, summer intensives at this major ballet school in New York. And so that's how well she's doing. And that's like a dream come true for her. Like, like her dreams are coming true now. And she's doing so well. She's moving on. Like, Can you imagine she, like having your legs broken and still dancing that well? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and still getting into major <laughs> dance school. Like, right. That's and amazing. That quickly. Like, yeah. I, I don't think realistically it would be that quick because... To so, heal there's a, so much a, therapy right. goes with that. And, and you're you're gonna lose the muscle in that leg mm-hmm. and but anyway, like just the strength that it took to it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And um so um Spar- to further her healing, Sparrow asks Lucas and Delaney if they could take her out to her mother's grave. And of course, you know, they say, Yeah, we can, but are you sure? Are you sure you really want to do this? Because she hasn't been back to her mother's grave since she was buried. Yeah, no. And um, she's like, yes, this is something I need to do. This is part of my healing process. I need to go confront her, basically. Yeah, basically confront her. So um, they take her to the grave, and she goes up to it alone at first. And um, she begins to, you know, she says things like, I hate you. And she gets angry, and she starts to yell. And she has a lemon, and she pours the lemon juice all over the grave. And it's like, how does it feel? Yeah. And... How do you like that in your eyes? Yeah, how do you like that? How does it feel? And she just loses it and screams and crying. And then her friends come up and like, okay. Are you okay? That's enough. Yeah, a little nutty. Yeah, okay. Calm down. It's okay. We're here. It's enough. And she's like, okay. I feel better. I feel better. Thank you for being here. And she immediately um, pulls out her phone and she says, um, I'm calling the detectives. Can you take me to the station right now? I'm ready to talk. And so... They immediately all go to the police station. Everybody meets her there, and they're interviewing her, and they got the cameras on her and everything. And for the very first time, she says his name. Mm-hmm. And um, so then Tristan is locked up, and he's locked up. He's His life is over yeah. at, what, 18? Yeah, he is no longer the golden boy. He yeah. is finally having to face up to what he did. He's finally facing his consequences. Yeah. Daddy so can't get justice, him out of this. Right, justice has finally been served here. And um, so then Swan Lake comes and goes, and that goes well. And well, at the and then a showcase comes up right after, immediately after. So at the end of the showcase, Sparrow and Lucas they have their very last dance together at the end. This is she's leaving the very next day. She's out. She's going to New York, and so they're having their one last dance together, and um, they're they have their moment backstage. And Lucas tells her, hey, you know, no matter where you go in life, you know, no matter what happens, I will always be here for you. I am always your friend. Mm -hmm. And she thanks him for all he's ever done for her and for being such a good friend. 
Then they have their very last dance, and it's magical and wonderful where the book ends. Yeah, they all get their happy ending, except for Tristan, who doesn't deserve Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, um, that was Sparrow. I really loved the book. Granted, it was hard to read. I cried a lot. Yeah, very heavy topic, but definitely a really, really good story. Very well written, very insightful, very... Very well worth the read. Yes. Um, highly recommend it. I will say, if you have suffered physical or mental abuse, um, if you are still in that hurting, well, you're never out of the hurting phase of it, but if you're still real close to that situation, maybe don't read this book yet. If you've been out of it for a while and you've start, you're no longer easily triggered, I would recommend reading this book um, because it does very much explain how important it is to talk about it, um, how important it is to have a therapist, to be able to get it off your chest, to let these things that you have believed for so long no longer have that grip on you that they don't deserve to have. Um, so please, if you, if you have been through anything like that, seek help. Find somebody. And if you don't want to find a therapist, find a best friend that you can talk to about it. They might not be able to help as much, but at least you'll be getting it off your chest. At least you won't be hiding it and giving it that power. Right, right. Talking about it helps. So in the show notes, we will post some hotline phone numbers if you need somebody to talk to, um, whether it's for domestic abuse, whether it's for a suicide hotline, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is that you feel like you need to talk to, we will try to have a, a hotline posted for it. Um, yeah, I really, <laughs> it's really hard to say, like, I love this book, you should read it, when it is such a deep topic, um, but it was very well written. and, and yeah, It's definitely a book to be mindful about whether you should read it or who you, be mindful who you're recommending it to Yeah, as well. Um, but other than that, it is... An excellent, excellent story. So um, we promise next time it will be a much lighter book, um, possibly something on the funny end. We'll see. But yeah, keep reading and we will see you all next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. This episode was hosted and produced by Paige Turner and Hollywood. You can reach out to us on social media if you have any questions or comments or um, book recommendations. Our Facebook and Instagram are Booklet Podcast, and you can email us at booklet podcast at gmail.com.